0: You are listening to the Feedback podcast. podcast. with my homie, back. Welcome to the Feedback podcast, everybody. My name is Back. I got Obi. What's in up, house. everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in. This is this is a special show. I'm really excited. Um, we got some special guests, but I want to say first of all, thank you for tuning in wherever you are on Facebook on the Feedback.com. Uh, we'll be reading comments uh, live on the air, so if you have anything you want to you chime in, you have a question, you have a comment, feel free. Uh, we read those live. And without further ado, I'll, I I can't even introduce these two because they have so many titles and accolades. We got CK Chen in the house. How you doing, man?
1: man I'm doing okay. Thank you for having me. It's been a great thank time. You th- thank it you. It's been a while. Huh? When's Matt- the last time we were here? Last time you were here? Yeah, I mean, last time we were, when we recorded in your apartment. Oh, it's got to be six years ago. Oh, uh, yeah. When, wait, We been. look the same. So I'll, I'll, I'll take that because we look the same. <laughs> yeah, you got to look for it.
0: <laughs> and we got Matt Fisk, Matt Fisk. Sorry. How you doing, man? Steel kicking, brother. Steel kicking. Not quite as high, but just as hard.
2: Hey.
0: hey. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This is going to be interesting. But I, I, want, I want y'all to introduce yourselves. Uh, actually, Matt, go ahead. Uh, go, go first and tell people who you are, where you do, what you've done, which is amazing. Uh, but go ahead.
3: Okay. Uh, my, my title is uh, Unprofitable Servant. Uh, I currently have the privilege of uh, being the director of Straight Street, Restoration Center in Maud, Texas, and also the president of Lancer Legacy Ranch, a veteran problem-solving community just two miles away. So uh, I'm, I'm extremely honored and privileged to do that. And also a husband to my wife, Lisa, and a father to my little girl, Melissa. And uh, the reason why I get all of these honors is because a man by the name of Sergeant Yiji Eddie Chen took my place in Iraq in 2004, he took the bullet that was for me. So everything that I do and am to him.
2: So there you go. Awesome. Thank, Thank you, you. Eddie Thank Chen. You. Wow. Yeah, me, like, yes. I, like, speaking from my point of view, like I met Matt Fisk when we were uh, shooting a mini series uh, about three years ago called A Long Road Home. And in that series, it, it documented the case of a Black Sunday where he was part of a military squad that got ambushed in Sadr City, Iraq. And I met him on set, like we had an actor that was portraying him, but I was like, but it's so, who who has the chance to kind of meet the real life version of like this, in this crazy story, like, and me and him started talking, kind of hit it off, and just such an amazing person. I love his story, and just Eric Birkin also, and all the other guys that were part of that story. It was just, it's just. I I I just want to thank you for everybody else for all your service that you did for us in the military. I'm just really happy to talk to you. <laughs> I I really am. It's a, it's a yeah. a big honor.
1: I appreciate the opportunity. I really you. do. Yeah.
0: All right, CK. Uh,
1: what, Matt? I do want to. For, for those who
0: don't know you, which is
1: <laughs> <It'll be> mind
2: blowing <laughs> at this stop. point.
1: <laughs> now, nah, uh, Matt, I want to ask um, Echo Ob's sentiments. You know, and you said the reason that you're here is because of your colleague and your co- brother, and. Um, and we we feel the same way. The reason we're here, we're allowed to do what we do, is because of what you've done too. So you know, I want to start off right away. Thank you for your service, and uh, you know, I really appreciate that. It's an honor to kind of share these stories, and I think that that's you know, for whatever for what it's worth, uh, these conversations that I've seen pop up in the last few months that have been a lot more than I've seen you know over the than the last few years. Uh, you know, part and parcel is, uh, is is I think the the road towards where we need to go, where we need to be. So. Um yeah, on true. that note, yeah, I'm just a local honest uh local Austin dude. Uh grew up in Houston, but uh been here for the last sixteen years or so. So as far as Austin is concerned, that's uh you know, we're one of the long-term, you know, people here. Uh own a number of different businesses in town, uh partners over at uh Swift's Attic and Wu Chao restaurants, um with uh, the native hostel on the east side over there. And then um we are also part of a I'm also part of the the team that's build rebuilding and building the new hope outdoor gallery out there by the airport. So, um, you know, just working on some as much, as many projects as I can get and then try to leave the place better than I found it. And that's kind of my philosophy on life. And that's kind of where we're at. There you
2: go. Awesome, man. Yeah. Man, we spent so many times in Swiss Attic and at Wu Chow's. <laughs> Wu Chow and Native. Everywhere. And, yes. Hey, yeah. if,
0: if if you if you come to Austin, you gotta go through CK. It's one it's one of those rider right passes, like you have to meet the guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's just how it yeah. goes.
2: That's just yeah. how it goes.
0: But I, I wanna start off with uh, you know, like, to echo a little bit what you were saying, CK, about like, you know, there's a lot of conversations happening. Um you know, over the past few months, especially now that everything is in our faces, right? You know, it's quarantine time, and uh, you know, I, I think what this what this whole situation really put a lot of things to the forefront. That you know, I don't know, I don't think bef- people really uh, ignored them before, but now they're in your face, they're in your news feed, they're in your social media. Uh, whether it's social issues, it's politics, it's you know. Uh, homelessness issues. It's housing issues. It's uh, legal issues. Black Lives Matter. It's all those things, right? So, how, how have you, how have you guys um, been able to to process um, all this, you know, this situation, uh, Matt? How's it been for you, quarantine time with all this madness going on? When it first happened, you know, uh, I, I've long been anticipating and looking
3: forward to the zombie apocalypse, and uh, I was told there would be more zombies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as far as <laughs> <corporate>, I can
2: <laughs> I can make more zombies for you if you, <laughs> you would can, like. And that's right. <laughs> oh yeah,
0: um, visual uh, effects expert yeah. over here, Obi.
3: I, but I I've think, been think
2: at, this this COVID thing is enough.
3: I know I, I've been anticipating uh, some sort of world-ending uh, pandemic or what have you ever since I read the Stephen King's The Stand as a, a young teenager back in the '90s. So uh, you look at something like this developing, and what does it do? Your your condition to feel panic and fear based upon all the, the books you read, the, the movies you've seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, a hot zone, one of my all time favorite books about how the Ebola, um, spread in the eighties from, uh, Africa to the United States. it almost became a very big deal, uh, through mismanagement and, and government bungling. But, uh, and it, mm-hmm. it almost seemed like it was coming to life yet again here, um, in, in living color. And, uh, well, we had at the time, I had 16 guys staying uh, at our uh, shelter for veterans here in, in Mod, Texas. And, um, in March, it looked like, okay, we're going into lockdown mode. And there was this uh, rumor started by somebody that we're about to be a federal lockdown. So buy your toilet paper, and hand sanitizer, everybody's going crazy. So, uh, we have to take a long, hard look. Well, do we continue to help veterans? Because the, the homeless shelters are shutting down, and they weren't taking nobody.
1: Uh-huh. And uh,
3: veterans still needed help. You know, thank God it's, it's toward, you know, the, the te- temperature's nice outside. So a lot of the homeless are sleeping outside anyway. Uh-huh. But uh, I've still got my guys to look after. And how do I, you know, how do I exercise for them and not in contagion? Yeah, them, and we really had to uh, do a lot of things differently. And uh, we were extremely willing to do so, given, you know, the reporting that was going on in the world and things just seemed you know, end of the world kind of a scenario. So we, uh, we stopped taking in new people because you know, we had to protect the ones we had. And some of, the, some of the guys we had decided to move on and go be with family. Um, so It was a very, very tense time. And our funding was, was really hit because we're not government funded at all. We're private, 100 percent private funds. And uh, fundraisers and that kind of thing. So now there's no, there's no music concerts. There's no. Uh, we had a, a golf tournament that was canceled, and, and I think about five different events that we were planning on income is no longer there. And now everybody's out of work. No. And if you're faced with the prospect of I spend money on my kids' diapers or I give five bucks to the veterans' charity down the road, what are you gonna do? Yeah, you know, the same thing I would do. You know, it's time to draw in the wagons. Take care of your of your own. So uh, that that kind of hurt us. But you know what? I gotta tell you, uh, I'm I'm a Christian, and uh, God has has definitely taken care of us, man. It's just been even in the midst of all this, everything's been going good.
2: Yeah, that's a blessing. Like I I wondered about that too, because like it seems during this pandemic, like it's easy for people to kind of think about like, oh man, there's so much craziness happening in the world i can't i, I barely have any to kind of support my family but there's still so many people that are homeless and and when you have like foundations that, that you kind of run with the vets and stuff and there's not enough funding to kind of help keep those guys afloat it's uh it's a struggle definitely
0: ck how's has it been how's it been for you And i want to go come back to uh, uh to matt's point
1: um you know it's funny like my heart, my 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 mentality generally when when things go not as planned, um, you know, right away is to, you know, you you try to seek that balance, right? So when things are going really bad, you start to look for ways that you can help, and you look at things that they can go really well. I mean, I kind of constantly reminded right in the very beginning when all this is happening, and I was calling. Obviously, my grandmother is like my whole world. Anybody that knows, I named Wu Chao after her. You know, she's my whole life. She's 92 years old in Houston. And so when, you know, they're telling me that this is one of those things that affects elderly, I mean, it does. Obviously, that's my my first thought. And I went and talked to her about it. And uh, when I'm on the phone with her, I remember her talking to me. And luckily, I do speak Chinese, but my Chinese is, you know, conversational. It's not very poetic or anything like that. I speak like a probably like a middle schooler you know realistically and and she was using this word that I didn't understand what it was and she kept using the word over and over again I just assumed it meant pandemic you know and and she was just talking about and then I asked my mother who we're all on a like a phone call kind of like this on a conference call situation and I was like you know wait what word is that that she's using you know and and she said she's like oh and you know she texted it to me as the chinese word and i googled it and i looked it up and it was the word for plague you know and it said she's called it a plague and um and she goes and what she said was, she's like you know what ck she's like i gotta say that it's a pretty good life that you've lived that you never had to learn this word you know and um and it was a really cool perspective and i'm reminded that because there's a lot of stuff out there where just like if you can live, you know, your whole life, like imagine any of the terrible words that we know in our world, you know, war or murder or any of these words. And 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 if you could theoretically live your life and then for that to be a, an archaic word that you're like, oh, we haven't heard that word in forever. Yeah, that's when things like this used to happen. And I really love that perspective that if she has had it wasn't so much of like, what are we going to do during this or what in the world is going to happen? It was more of like, she's very happy that she raised her grandkids in a world where, I didn't have to learn that word, you know what I mean? And um and it was one of those things that I think that this is a very traumatic situation, and everyone handles trauma so differently. And we're really kind of seeing what happens when you kind of shake everybody up. You know, it's like you can see everybody handling it differently, and it's one of those unique. I mean, if you look at it from a perspective of if you zoom out a little bit in ten thousand feet, you know, and look at everybody else as humans and. You know where you can't see individual faces and everything and you can see that this is affecting the entire world um mm-hmm. you can really see the differences you can really see the differences between the way that we're handling it versus that person or this person or that country and this country and i think that it tells us a lot more about ourselves than than i think we probably wanted to know um and i think that it's really great in a way um if you're able to take out of this an opportunity to kind of come out of this better. And I, you know, I see a lot of those motivational things that come out and I believe it that says, you know, if you, if you come out of this, the same as you went in, then this whole thing was for naught. (laughs) This whole thing was, I didn't learn shit. (laughs) I didn't learn shit. So what's, you know, what, 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 what are you doing? You know, take this time to do something, learn about yourself, feel some, feel about yourself, learn more about your brother, learn more about the person next to you, learn more about the people that you disagree with, Uh, learn more about those people um, and so that we can make sure that this situation is not completely just a, it's a complete tragedy that it, it really is more of a, you know, an opportunity for you to become a better person and for the world to be better out when we get out of this on the other side.
0: Well, I, I think it's, it's, uh, you have two kinds of people when, when, in times of crisis, you have, you know, you count your blessings like, all right, well, I'm a, I'm going to take care of my, my, you know, my people first. And I think the fact that it is still, uh, it is out there and it's it's spreading like wildfire and there's no stopping it. And uh, it it really instilled this fear of the other. You're like, you know what? Fuck everybody else. I'm just going to do me. You know, I'm just going to make sure that, you know, my family is okay and I'm not going to go outside. I'm not going to... Um, I'm not, I can't even, I don't want to even interact with anybody. And even if I wanted to, I don't want to, I want to put my, my family at risk. then on the other side of that, you have people who are just, um, okay, I know I'm good, but how can I help others? And I think you two are great examples of that, this kind of, uh, this, this kind of behavior, and you would hope that more people would actually engage in this, this kind of, this kind of activity. And, and I, I think that you get so bogged down, you get so down with all the information that's coming out and you don't know if it's true. You don't know, um, you know, where it's coming from and you don't know how to process it, but it's always in your face every day, every day. That's all you think about. That's all um, uh, that's all you see. And it can be very um, overwhelming. I didn't have a question. I was just commenting. <laughs> yeah. yeah
2: yeah i think it's uh i mean in general like do do all of y'all still feel like it's like everyone has that mentality like it's like a doggy doggy like dog eat dog world where everyone's trying to protect their own or are people more do you think people are more open to kind of like helping each other out in these tough times whether it's like financial or it's kind of like emotional because like a lot of people are like out of work like i know I don't know about y'all. I've been out of work since March, but like, so a lot of like depression and stuff comes along with that or, and just people still trying to like protect their own. But at the same time, if like, we're all kind of working towards like a solution, I feel like we have to have these conversations and be open to kind of we can't kind of just accept like the feat. like this is the COVID's going to be here for a while. Like, I don't think any one of us believes that in a month this is going to go away. Like this is going to, we're going to kind of keep dealing with this. So it's just like the next step we need to kind of start working together kind of, and be more productive and, and just making things move. Basically. I mean, I think, you know,
1: I think that, Ultimately, I think what Matt was saying before, I agree with him, you know, ultimately, I think we do have self-preservation and I think generally make make sure you're good. You know, like I said before, part of the part of the part that makes this so difficult is that, you know, and much like I'm sure we'll get into later on, um, is it's like I said, COVID and racism that we're dealing with is so parallel because it affects people some people to zero degree and some people to the final degree, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's one of those things that it's really difficult and which is a huge, a true test of empathy, right? Because at the end of the day, this is something that if you don't, if it doesn't affect you directly, it's really easy to ignore. I mean, you do just forget that it happens. You do, you do forget because you you don't even have to see it. This is one of those things I always talked about. Like if this disease, let's say, caused boils and made people's faces break out or turned purple or whatever it is, you would be forced to look at it and see it every day. But the fact that even until it's at its worst systems, even people who have already got it who had very low symptoms are mm-hmm. able to ignore it. And and it's the same thing. You know, I think that it makes it a lot easier to to either discount or you know, not think about it as opposed to some people who, you know, like I said, you know, a month ago, you know, we lost a good friend of ours um, to COVID and, you know, he was a young guy and to his whole family, this is a different situation, right? So it's one of those things that it's a, it, it, we, we, we can't have that, you know, and I remember, and you don't realize the trauma that it causes you because I mean, there literally was a moment where a couple friends were talking about getting together and doing some stuff and trying to live back life to normal. And I'm here on the other end of a text thread trying to decide whether or not we we're able to have a funeral and whether or not we can do this. And and so the juxtaposition that read the level of dissonance that comes from us having these two conversations at the exact same time is the same mm-hmm. thing as to wonder why some people look at what's going on as a as a barely an inconvenience a more of an inconvenience to them than it is to the world of iso versus something like is horrendously tragic to somebody who might have lost a loved one you know and i think that um, but anyway, to, to, to you know, to digress, I think that it's important to remember that you do have to, you know, like even in an airplane, right? You put on your oxygen mask yourself before you help other people. You do no good for, for you to immediately start and then you black out and then you can't help anybody. And so at right, the end right, of the right, day, right. I think it's important to take care of yourself and make sure you watch your own mental health and not burn the candle at both ends. You know, one of the things I said before, I'm like, you don't know you're burnt out until you're burnt. You know, it's not, it's not one of those things. It's like, you gotta, you gotta look at for those signs. I trust me. I know, you know, as an entrepreneur, like you end up working yourself to the bone sometimes and you put yourself in especially if you pour yourself into something, uh, it mm-hmm. does. And so, but at the end of the day, you do have to watch out for yourself and your own and your family. I think the hard part is when everything is fine with you, that instead of resting and saying, all right, I'm good that you look out and see, all right, well, who around me, who in my circle, is it good?
0: Well, Matt, what, what do your, your fellow veterans say about this whole situation? Like how they live in it?
3: You know, uh, a lot of them are like me. They've been looking for the end of the world, and uh, you know, <laughs> some of them got out of the war and, and don't really know what to do with themselves, and so they become kind of this uh, uh, recluse, uh, withdrawn. Well, uh, one of the, the most common symptoms of PTSD is uh, isolation. And so something like this pandemic has just has made the order for for that. You know, yeah, I've been isolating for the last ten years. So what's a little bit more? So uh, on one hand, they don't really feel it. On the other hand, they kind of sit on their porch and, and wait for someone to make trouble. You know, because uh, a part of them still misses that um, that chaos that the, that they're still trapped in. You know,
0: uh, whenever I met, so it's still in the pessimistic outlook. At this point. Oh, Lord,
3: yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I got to tell you, uh, well, Obi, when, I, when I met you, I'd been uh, healed from my PTSD for a year. And so I was a much different person then. And now, uh, if you had met me just three or four years before, uh, my, my boss was scared to death of me because I was a very angry, volatile individual. I was still trapped April fourth wow. two thousand and four and did not get out. So, oh wow! I, I think a lot of this pandemic just kind of brings out in uh, in veterans that that still feel trapped. This uh, this hope that maybe some kind of action is going to come my way, and maybe you know, um, it literally. I, some of the guys I know that they they're, they relish the end of the world. They relish the the destruction of society as we know it. Because to them, that's all they know on the inside.
2: I mean, does is that like that urge to kind of like protect when you see kind of uh, what's happening in different cities? Like, do you still have that that sensation to kind of uh, want to help people or is it or does it kind of take you back to like m- like a darker time?
3: I, I don't feel triggered like that anymore uh, what it what it puts into me is just this this sense of inevitability that i see i see society in decline i, I don't see it's getting better i see it's getting uh worse you know what we're doing right now is frankly what the the whole world the united states in particular needs to do we need to sit down with each other and have well, it's not really a face-to-face conversation, but I see your face. You see my face. Uh-huh. Now when we get behind the... Yeah.
2: It's so, who does it get?s right We now? get behind them, the keyboard <laughs> that's all we and got.
3: we don't think yep. about the other person at the end. We might write something that's incredibly uh, insensitive and hurtful, not even thinking about how someone else is going to take it. Mm-hmm. And did you know that we take maybe 80% of our uh, communication from nonverbal cues? Like you read facial expressions, Meyer. that kind of thing. Yeah. So we're only getting 20% of the information at any one time from someone on Facebook. And is there any wonder why we're pissed off all the time? Cause we just read these sayings of any kind of context or, or, uh, or empathy. And it becomes very, very easy exactly. to dehumanize the person on the other side of that keyboard. Exactly. So, frankly, what we're doing Thank you for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity to bring uh, my perspective, and, and I really appreciate you guys hearing uh, what's being said.
0: I, I'll, I'll say it again. I, I really don't understand people getting into arguments on social media and posting articles and and just going back and forth, Twitter. I, I, I really don't get it. I, I, well, I'll take that back. I understand that there is a, a a frustration, especially these days, that people need want to express. Right. Um, but it, it it is not it, it is not the actually it's the worst vehicle for it. Yes. Uh, and if yeah. if anything, if anything's gonna bring the world down, it's gonna be that. Yes. <laughs> I, I really I really believe so. I really believe so. Well, as much as, as everybody consumes it and it's all over the place, it's all over the place, it's all over the and- world.
2: It's hard to like understand like nuance when you read like a quick, somebody's quick comment on a thread, and everyone kind of feels like like on defense all the time when whenever that person's point of view is not what yours matches, and they just it's so combative that like but it, it, it's it's the weirdest thing like because I, I like <laughs> I'll try a lot of times to like talk to people. People that have my view and people that don't have my view, and and I would try to go in as like soft as possible to because at the end of the day, it's, I think people look at when they're trying to prove a point, like they think, okay, if I prove my point right now, I'm right, and there's nothing you can do about it. But at this, but it, realistically, that person doesn't just disappear. They're they still have to live in the same city as you. It's, you're you're gonna be in the same grocery stores and stuff so you have to kind of work together and and find some kind of mutual ground where everyone's happy at, 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 and can kind of be civil with each other but it's it, i feel like social media is getting very, very toxic and i feel like what matt said people are losing uh empathy they, they'll just kind of want to like shoot these daggers at people and not really care that that is an actual human being that you're talking to. Or even when you hear stories about like, uh, we talked about this last time, like with the the Garrett Foster situation, and then you have one half that, that really sympathizing is, is mourning him. And then another half of people that want to just go and just start berating him and, and disintegrating his name. And like, w- w- this is a human being. This is a vet that lost his life. Just learn to have some more empathy and, in and, and and get to some kind of mutual ground instead of always being on defense all the time.
1: Well, well, Obi, I think that, I think that there's also really noted difference between obviously sympathy and empathy. And I think when we talk about, about feeling some, like, you know, realizing that someone is going through something that's sad or to sympathize with them, but empathy really is when you find somebody that's angry at you, that you it even, it takes empathy for you to understand why that person is angry too. You know, and I think that is one of those things that, you know, I talk about our number one problem that we have right now um, is confirmation bias. I think Um, it's one of those things where, instead of finding data and, and things that are, you know, unbiased and drawing a conclusion from that, we draw a conclusion already and then find things to support that conclusion. Um, you, you have an idea, you have a belief, and then you actually go back and you look and you Google and you try to find things to prove that this is the case. Yeah. You know, um, as opposed to doing research and then getting as much information as you can and then figuring out what you feel then. Um, I, you know, uh, back, I'm gonna push back on you a little bit saying that this is a, this is a downfall. So I think that if you look at throughout time, all the different technologies, right, Stone Age, Bronze Age, Steel Age, Industrial Revolution, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Whichever civilization, whichever group of people learned how to wield this new technology, ultimately took over that era. You know, um, historically, I agree. Yeah. Yes. So you said you had a, you, people were fighting each other with rocks. The first person who learned how to smelt some steel, you know, fucked you up. You know what I mean? Like they they, they realized some stuff, and so I think we're in the information age now. And if you don't know how to fully use these tools, which they are, um, to its highest degree and its level of nuance that it needs to be, uh, you're going to be left behind or you're going to be left pretty confused. You know, I think that it is one of those things that, this, that the algorithm itself is one of those things that works well for a capitalistic situation, right? I mean, I Google a sweater, and then the algorithm tells me maybe you want to see more sweaters. I Google this sweater, and I see another sweater, and then all of a sudden I'm seeing mm-hmm. sweaters everywhere. But when it comes to thought typing, the the, the the thoughts of things and different types of viewpoints, that's not good. You end up in an echo chamber, right? You you just start to get fed what you wanted to see, and you get you get into this belief that this is un un inarguable because you have back af- information after information after information that confirms what you already think of. Matter of fact, what I found recently, the the work that I've been doing myself, just try to get where I'm at, is I've been trying really hard to combat this by reading things of people that I don't agree with as much as I possibly can, as much, mm-hmm. you know you know conservative news as i can as much different stuff and different interviews as i possibly can and then trying to at least negotiate between the two informations that i'm fa- that i'm forced to to look at and and what i found is my algorithm has started to change right you look at facebook and now all of a sudden i get i get articles from both sides i get articles and then one of the things that's really weird to me is like i'm like wow like this is really if i didn't understand what was happening This would totally make me feel like, well, this part, this side is more, more right than this side and right being right and wrong, not right and left. This side is more correct than the other side. And I think that we need to understand that. You know what I mean? When you're sitting there and somebody says something to you that is triggering on Facebook, whatever, you should take that moment and look at yourself and go, why is this triggering to me? Do I, where's this intent behind this person's post? Is the person a troll? Is this person just literally trying to get a rise out of me? This person really just trying to do whatever, or does this person really believe this? And if this person really believes this, then have that conversation with them and come come lead with, you have to give them enough space to have this conversation. So no matter how hard you feel about somebody, you got to back up a little bit and give let there be a space for y'all to talk. And I think that the problem is right now is that we dog pile on each other, and there's no space to have that conversation. You know
0: exactly. But on on top of that, you're that exercise that we should all do, um, I don't think that it's being. I don't think it's being done, and well, I don't it's think definitely that, not being
1: done. <laughs>
0: no, no, it's, it's not. It's, it's not. But what I'm saying is you're. You're you're one person doing it. You you know what to do. You know how to process information and actually change the way the internet serves you. You know to actually get a get a sense of a bigger picture on whatever issue. That's an exercise that I honestly don't think most people most people do. That's and an exercise
2: so, my, I like to. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, that's that's
3: an exercise I like to call dinner at my mom's house because <laughs> she's diametrically opposed. Yeah. Uh, about everything that I think, she thinks different. I don't. I couldn't love anyone more than I love my mother, even though she shares vastly different opinions than I do. But it makes for a lively dinner conversation, I can tell you that. Uh, there was a, a, a theologian from Britain back in the, uh, the 1900s, early 1900s, uh, that was asked to write a, an essay for the, the London Times, and uh, the subject of the essay was, what is wrong with the world? And he wrote back, his essay was actually two words long. It was, I am. Now, let that sink in for just a second. Every time that I start to think, and I, and I, I could not agree more with what C.K. was saying, that uh, when someone makes you angry on the Facebook rant, you ask yourself, why am I angry? Because no one can make you angry. You're angry already. Someone just brings it out of you. And uh, mm-hmm. what I, I one thing that happened recently, okay, I don't know what to think about the mask situation. I really don't. And I'm not saying that because I'm on one side of the aisle or the other. It's just that I've read mm-hmm. so many different positions from learned doctors and the CDC has changed its mind on the, the very matter uh, no less than two times. The WHO has changed its position on it. And so I'm left here wondering uh, who am I supposed to believe in the
2: situation? Cause I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm not an expert. So I mean,
3: I, I get on. I'll go ahead.
2: I mean, but like the way I look at the mass situation is, is without without even taking in like any science or any like data that, that is out there, just think about it. it like, is it, nobody's saying that mask is a hundred percent going to prevent you from getting COVID or, or prevent you from giving COVID to anybody else. But if something is, is it better to have nothing covering your mouth and nose or have something even if, even if it's just like the, the most simplest thing the most simplest like like this like, like a clock even if it's just that to prevent anything like if even if it gives you like a five percent chance is it better to wear Is, is like it better condom. to have that five percent chance or to have zero percent chance that's how i love that's why i was like okay i'll, I'll take the five percent chance that that this could help me possibly that's like but, without but, but
1: again i think you know, Obi, I don't mean to interrupt yeah. you, but again, this the, the the thing about this whole conversation that the mask thing is so fascinating to me mm-hmm. because beyond the science, the conversation has nothing to do with you. It's whether or not you put on something that could potentially help other people. That's it. Like we've 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 not been able to wrap our brains around the idea that this little thing that you're doing If I told, if all of a sudden I saw the news tomorrow that was like, hey, put on a blue hat, and if you wear a blue hat, your grandmother has a higher chance of survival. You know, the science doesn't add up to anything, but if that's what they say, I have to make that decision whether or not I want to wear this blue hat, despite the fact that it doesn't match my outfit. The fact fact that I don't wear hats very much, despite the fact that any other thing that I want to think about why I shouldn't, uh, it doesn't affect me whatsoever. Uh, and, And that's and that's the exact fact is to say that at this moment, what they're saying is this has nothing to do with you. It doesn't protect you at all. It doesn't protect you whatsoever. It's the you know, it's funny. The the condom analogy is actually really good back because the conversation really goes, well, the condom doesn't ever protect me as a man from getting pregnant. I'm not wearing it to protect me from getting pregnant. I'm wearing it to protect. You know, to stop yeah. the other the other person from getting pregnant, and so you know, granted, forget about the STDs. I know that analogy is weak, but I mean, what I'm saying is, at the end of the day, this is the conversation really comes down to that level of empathy and saying, "Well, here we go." So let me let me chime in one thing about this. And Matt, I didn't, you know, I want you to finish up your thought too before we go forward because I, you know, I think you know, I think I want to hear what you're going with, but. When it comes to science and you talk about the CDC and the who and you don't know who to believe, I think at one point in time, we have to kind of trust the systems and trust the process a little bit and to say that um, there has to be room in science. In science, we have room for error. We insist upon it. That's why the highest level of scientific, uh, uh, you know, scientific, uh, you know, proof is a theory right is because there's room as people continue to study it people are still studying gravity these people are still studying things that we consider just fact but there needs to be room for that because every time it happens something new is discovered and it fundamentally violates everything and changes everything and so it's one of those things that i find it funny because for people who are not scientists who don't think this way It's very difficult. If I went up to Dr. Fauci or any other doctor or any of my real doctor friends and asked them, hey, um, do you think that, you know, eating a whole bunch of cereal cures COVID? The, the, The answer usually isn't no. The answer is, I don't know. We've never looked into that. We've never thought about it. We've never studied it. You know why do you feel this? And 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 a scientific minded person leaves room for the possibility of that, and that's why it's difficult because people who don't like to adhere to the scientific method—that the idea of making a making a claim, making a hypothesis, trying to re- replicate it, trying to prove it, and then either proving or disproving it—have the tendency to jump in and by binarily say it worked or it didn't work, as opposed to let's look into it, let's run this test, let's see what it is, let's see what happens. And I think that we have realized that even though it feels like it's been 150 years, it's been fucking four months, you know, it's been f- five <laughs> months. And we, we, we haven't done stuff with the common cold, we haven't fixed the regular flu, we haven't fixed, you know, AIDS, we haven't, people are studying this stuff every day. And as new information comes out, it might be like, yo, this is it this is this is totally different we this is a game changer or whatever it is and i think that we need to leave room to to understand that it's insistent upon an educated person to leave room for their own mistakes and it is insistent upon an educated mind to recognize that they could have made a mistake or that there's other answers to the solution the problem is we're so used to saying this is what it is that's what it has to be and then shut the book let's move on man i ain't got time for this shit let's go on move 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 let's do the next one yeah. instead mm-hmm. of sitting there going yo okay all right all right all right thank you for thinking about that well have you thought about this And for them to go oh no i didn't think about that where are you going with that so matt you know please please finish the thought as you're talking about bringing up you don't know what to think about the masks but uh you know i wanted to i want you i want to hear the rest of your thought Hello. Uh,
3: you, you mentioned something about trusting the, the systems that we have have in place, and uh, I guess that's kind of where I'm hung up at, because I've lost faith in a lot of the systems that used to to me to be rock solid, at least. Uh, yep. At least I thought I could trust. Right. Well, let's just take government as one example. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Uh, trust your government. Okay. Yeah. Not on your life. Right. Not with your life. Not with her life. No. Right. No. They have proven to be inept at every level. I don't care who's sitting in the White House right now, who sits in the White House next year. It's going to be the same. I don't trust you.
0: Sorry. You've always believed that or, or you've come to that conclusion because of your experience? Well, I've come to that conclusion.
3: That, well, uh, just having had personal experience, I served in the military under Clinton. I served under Bush both terms. I served under Obama both terms. So I, I've seen uh, how the government treats those who serve it with no sense of loyalty at all. Uh, and that, that's immaterial of who is sitting in the White House. It's just a thing. The, the military is a machine. Government is a machine. It doesn't care about you. It's not meant to. It is a system. And it's systems that I don't trust. Right. Even the religious system. And I me mean, being a Christian, this is saying something. The, the church has done a huge disservice to our society by becoming someone that is very difficult to trust. Yep. I, I submit to you the the Catholic pedophile. Well, not just Catholic. Good Lord. Protestant uh, pedophile uh, rings and, and, uh, and everything that's just so prevalent in today's society, okay? And that's me saying that as a Christian. The church has failed in a lot of different areas, okay? Uh, let's look at schools. Uh, the way school is taught now, a lot different than when I was growing up, and it was a lot different when I was growing up than my parents, you know? Uh, educators. Uh, I homeschool now. By the way, I've made that determination that uh, I can't send my child to Caesar and expect that she won't come back around. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I think there's a level of indoctrination that goes on there. that Frankly, I just don't trust. Uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about science. CK, you brought up a good point. You would hope that science is the one thing that you could put your faith in, but mm-hmm. you absolutely can. It is... It has been corrupted, I feel, by politics. Uh, It's been corrupted by the university system, uh, which says, you know, I will give you this grant if you come up with a conclusion that I like. And so it, it it becomes a corrupting influence where scientists should say, I'm going to follow the data wherever it goes. And rather than what I want it to say, I'm just going to, this is what it says. We don't find that a lot particularly when you see scientists working for pharmaceutical companies, the, the profit motivation Too is crazy. just, I don't care who you are, scientists are people like anybody else. And mm-hmm. it doesn't make them less prone to, uh, to making those sort of errors. I've seen it over the last two decades now, scientists doing things not in the name of science, but in the name of capitalism yep. or greed or whatever. So I, I have a huge problem with that. I, I'm always skeptical, this, this whole thing with the vaccine. Does Dr. Fauci stand to benefit from it? Oh, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. But it, it puts, see when, when that doubt gets into your mind, you don't know what to trust. Let's look at the media. Uh, did, did you guys see where I, I think a New York Times opinion editor resigned two weeks ago? And did y'all see anything about that? If you get a chance to look it up, look look up her resignation letter. A week later, one of the producers for MSNBC, she also resigned, and she penned this letter that was just absolutely eye-opening as far as what's happening in that room. Back in 2015, I stopped watching Fox News. Well, for one, it's like the echo chamber that CK is talking about. I kind of already agreed with a lot what I was hearing. So I wanted to branch out and find other points of view that weren't reinforcing what I heard all the time. And just to see what was out there. I found it actually quite refreshing. And I also found I didn't get mad <laughs> near as often as I used to. I had no idea how much that stuff was stoking the fire inside me, you know, uh, but I, I've just seen so, so much in the media failing to do actual news coverage and go more, uh, opinion, editorial type things. I'm, t- I'm not talking about just Fox, you know, they're all guilty. Every last one of them. Matter of fact, if I, if I look for news that mm-hmm. I, f- I feel is going to be unbiased about the United States, I usually go BBC or somewhere else. You know, yeah. zero for crying.
1: out Yeah. Uh, yeah,
0: dude,
2: definitely. I, everything that, you're that, saying is just hard to you know, I've <laughs> been feeling for a long time.
0: Well, let let me ask you all this. Do do you think that this is proper to the U.S. because of how it's, how it's been, um, how it's founded and how it's come to be in the, you know, in the past, you know, uh, decades, or um, is this something that you think is all all, all over the world?
1: You know, let's go back to what Matt said, that the, the theologian talked about what's wrong with the world. I am this is a human problem this isn't a this isn't an american problem this is a you know a lot of the conversations that you have about what and who we are as humans uh you know if you look at it on an empirical level we struggle the same way because these these formulas that you're putting together are very common and they're very easy. uh When you talk about capitalism and amassing new things, it's like when you add in this little thing, it's like that's my that's the way that it's supposed to act. Uh, you know, one of the conversations I had before where people say stuff like, "Oh, the system is broken." And I'm like, "No, it's not. The system is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. It's designed this way." You know what I mean? And it was like one of those things where we talk about, "Hey, it's like a, a machine." Generally speaking, when it spit, you know, if it starts smoking. You think, oh, a machine is broken. Well, not if it's a fucking smoke machine. Like that's what it's <laughs> designed to do. You know, that is a t-shirt. that that that's what it's designed to do. You know, it was designed to keep certain people in power, it's designed to keep certain people uneducated. It was designed to keep certain people blah blah blah. And now when you add in the capitalist aspect of making money, um, these are all things that um it's like you can run it like any other business if you remove the labels of what you're doing you are, it's, it's obvious if you're talking about lowering costs and increasing profits, well, like lowering labor costs, what's that lead to slavery? You know, when you're trying to lower the cost of, of production, what does that lead to, you know, cheaper materials or, or or outsourcing, uh, and you know, the, the, where you're going from this, this is a very business one-on-one type of situation when it comes to capitalism. And that's why there are certain aspects that when you talk about it is fundamentally speaking, when you put the system in place, like, you know, you talk about even in government. It's like, how do you go into government service and leave wealthier than you got in there? I mean, this is a service industry. This is an industry that it should be the smartest and the best. And instead, mm-hmm. you're you're getting into an opportunity to have making money. And guess who came up with that? Another capitalist, right? Another somebody, another somebody who's not not, not a capitalist. I used I keep, I keep using these is well, words, and I, I try. Not we have to. when you're using somebody who has mentality to that. You know what I we mean?
2: We have a question in the chat that's kind of that's. Kind of along the lines of what you're talking about, uh I don't know sure. if I'm saying this person's name right Adama Adama my brother uh yeah. he says, so what is the alternative to trusting systems in an interdependent society being completely self sufficient like is that the alternative like what if we can't trust our systems like what what can we do no,
1: I think I think the systems. what it comes down to is that we, they have to evolve and they have to change and they have to advance with the times. Nobody had predicted the Internet when they wrote the Constitution. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, the joke about it all the time about our rights and what our rights are uh, and how it can't change. And you know, like the word is literally amendment. The word is, is an amendment. It was amended. It was added. We change them all the time. Matter of fact, the living document is what they pride themselves on is that it adjusts and adapts to happen. So when we say the system is broken, I'll give you an example. Okay, mm-hmm. let's you know, use a sports analogy. I'm not really great at understanding sports. I'm not a big sports person, but I understand a little bit. So at one point in time, Wilt Chamberlain was massacring people out there because he's the tallest, fastest. There's no three-point. There was no three-second rule, and there was uh, no rules against him standing down by the paint all the time, scoring 100 points a game. Mm-hmm. You had to change those rules. Because he changed those rules. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He made it realize that it was unfair. And as people started to use how to exploit that opportunity, it was no longer fair for the situation. So now they decided to change those rules. It was that way. We have to add if the system is broken, we have to say that even though it benefits us, uh, sorry, it, it, it hurts us when it's our turn, we have to do it. I mean, give you an example. If we we're playing basketball and one goal was hanging down halfway and it's a six and a half feet tall and the other one's 10 feet tall, and you're playing on those both, instead of thinking to yourself, well, when it's my turn to play on that other hoop, we're going to have the advantage. So let's just leave it unbalanced. You have to sit there and say, that's not fair. Let's just make it even again. And let's readjust and make sure this thing is balanced. That's what is happening right now is that stuff like this is where it benefits both sides, these flaws in our system, these flaws that are created or even amended into the system because somebody used it in in an ingenious way, decided to benefit themselves that way, lobbying or gerrymandering or whatever that came up with this stuff, it benefits both sides. And both sides or all sides get a chance to exploit it. But we have to decide as as a civilization, as a society, is it better to have a system where we all equally cheat or is it better not to? you know what I mean? Is it, is that the way it should be? You know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like one of those things where my thought is we should definitely take, make these adjustments when we see things that are, that are violating the very values that we want and decide how we can change them or if we should change them at any given moment. You
0: right. Know? But when, when you say, when you say we are your,
1: um, we as Americans,
0: yes. But like as from the bottom up, in other words, if you, if you think of all the all the systems that you just uh, uh, just talked about, it's always it's it's always from from the top down. Whether it's the the health system, the legal system, government, it's always, hey, we look up to you guys for help, and we're not getting it. So yeah. guess what's going to happen? We're gonna have to figure this shit out on our own, and then we're gonna have to make like make the change that we want to see in the world. Um, and this is, I, I think that now with all the, the movement that's been happening, whether it's Black Lives Matter or it's, you know, reforming the, the police, uh, you know, we're in an election year. I think this, this is going to be a critical year in terms of, okay, we've been fed all this bullshit for for, for a long time now. And just like in a civil rights movement, uh, we're, something's got to happen. But if it's going to happen, it's going to happen from, from the bottom up.
1: Right. And, and, but that's, that's always been the case, but we have just as much as we feel that science need, is we are way more willing to, you yeah. know, if I saw somebody tweet the other day that was a meme that was like, we're all waiting for this one thing to like miraculously solve this because that's what we've been trained is the best way to handle it. Right. Where we're like, you know, while half the people are concerned about vaccines that half the people aren't, but if they found a pill, like they're touting right now, to say that hey this is this cures it we're all quick to jump on it and say this is it this is it we're all we're wanting that immediate satisfaction when we're talking about changing something as large as a government system or a system of leadership or governance how many of us have sat in our local government? How many people vote in our local elections? How many people go out and do that? I was an elementary school teacher, and I even realized myself that when I'm talking to these when I'm talking to these young kids about what they want to be when they want to grow up, I never once and and I and I hate myself for doing this. I never once sat there and was like, "Yo, hey, Susan, you're going to be a senator one day. You're so smart. You're going to be. You're going to one day make some major changes in this world. Or you know what? You should run for mayor. That's going to be wonderful." We don't think mm-hmm. about that shit. You know, matter of fact, I mean, the joke about it all the time was people sit there and say some shit about me, you know, trying to run for office or something like that. I'm always like, Ugh. like, I'm like, please do not wish that evil on me. Like, what are you talking about? I want to be, involved <laughs> system, but the very, that's, that's so hypocritical in what I'm even saying, because the fact of the matter is we got to get involved where we can get involved, you know, and, and most of us don't give a shit. Our voting turnout is is fundamentally demolished. I mean, it's like, 40% or something like that, isn't, isn't it? That? It's, it's it's ridiculous. And so cool. the idea is that we don't care enough to change it right now. So we've we got to change the hearts and the minds first. It's always been that the people have the power, but we are waiting to sit there and just have somebody fight their way all to the top. And when they get there, just like, yo, call me when you get there, you know? And it's like, you know? Yeah.
2: But I think there's, there, there's a, uh, I'm, I I hear everything you're saying but I like I'm still optim like I'm still hopeful about our future because all like oh, me all for us we we have like a particular skill where I've seen you CK you you're you're not a politician but you're a good leader and you you talking to your network you could kind of generate more concern for a certain issue and I've seen the same thing with Matt too with his with all the leadership stuff that he does in uh and and back as well like i feel like we we can't we can't wait for a savior right. from exactly. above to come over here and rescue us like we, we have to take things into our own and and just really kind of start so, start pushing for issues that mean so much to us and just like get stuff done like i i i really believe that and i really and i love that's why i love the all the protests happening because it's, this is, this is actually the people start in taking control of them, like their destiny and trying to make, and enforcing the issue instead of just waiting year after year for, for the people at the top to kind of come and solve our issues. Let's, let's solve our issue. We know what our issues are. Let's solve it ourselves and force our, the people that we put in charge to do it for us.
0: That's just, the way it's supposed to work. So let, let me ask, Matt, does, and, does that and, give you any hope whatsoever? I mean, the system—you know—trust. Don't, don't you know? If you're not trusting the system. Do you have? Do you have some hope for humanity in the sense? Well, that, yeah. Hey, if we if they're not going to do it for us, we, we're going to do it ourselves. Uh, I,
3: I have lots of hope. Actually, it's just I don't put my faith in the system. The systems are. Like, uh, like CK said, man, the system's designed to do a certain thing. It's to mostly uh, spit up or chew up the common man and, and spit out all this wonderful wealth for, for those at the very, very top. That's just what, how it's designed to run. And you can either, you know, hate the game and, uh, and not play it or play it well and, and, and you know, win prizes and everything. Uh, that's just how everything is. The last time that the system underwent a huge reboot like the one that I think CK is talking about was in 1099 in Great Britain. That's with uh, William the Conqueror coming in with the Magna Carta. And that's where the way the fuel system was being run back then, uh, had all the serfs and the the ones that served the nobility, all of a sudden they said, you know what, we're conquering this land and this is how things are going to run. We're we're getting... Uh, power uh, taking power from the king and dividing out amongst these noble lords and uh, it it, the system changed at that point wasn't optimum but it changed but it took a a very strong man coming in and exerting his will and instead of doing something that was beneficial to him he did something that's beneficial to to the world Uh, there all throughout history there's been this feeling that there's a man coming who can fix it. You know, the, the Jews called him Messiah. The, uh, uh, I think even today, they're still waiting for this man called Messiah to appear. The, the Muslims have a man called the, the, uh, the hidden imam who is also the, the same kind of Messiah figure, you know, someone that they're hoping to swoop in. It's got, has all the answers. This is the guy we need. It's kind of, you, you saw kind of that, uh, excitement around Barack Obama prior to his first term. The speeches he was giving in all these different world locations, it generated so much excitement and enthusiasm. It was almost creepy how excited everybody was, not just Americans, but people all over the world. To me that kind of peeled back the 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 skin here and said, Man, I think the world is really ready for somebody like that. Now you study uh uh, the book of Revelation, there's this figure called the Antichrist. And that's, to me, that, that's that kind of, of uh, I mean, with Hitler, you saw it. How in the world did the entire German nation think that exterminating millions of people was a good idea? They had this very charismatic fellow that came in on the heels of depression and super inflation post-World War I. That, and he said, I've got the answer. I've got the answer. Trust me. You're in despair, you're in, you know, you're about to you lose everything, I've got the answer. So I think the world is waiting for this one guy that's got all the answers and I, I don't think it's gonna be in a system. I think there's a lot of hope in our, our youth that if we just destroy the current system and replace it, we'll say a socialist uh, framework, that that's gonna solve all the problems. This has been tried again and again. Uh, whether you 're talking about communism or or socialism uh, these these things they get implemented and put into place did, did you know in the book mm-hmm. of Acts, the very first church kind of operated under communistic principles i don 't know if you knew that or not
2: but check but out yeah, acts
3: chapter two sometime.
2: but what you 're talking about is happening right now with the how like, you, you you asked about like how did the germans uh, allowed Hitler to go into power because he this guy comes out of nowhere he could be charming and he says he has all the answers and when people are like at a low and they feel like they they're they've they have their back against the wall, they kind of gravitate to this person without really looking at him and that's what we have and that's what this country has right now with trump like you you see this past week there's a whole interview that just went viral with him. He did an interview with HBO and trying to answer simple questions about this whole pandemic with the, the virus. You see how much our leader struggles to kind of get his message across. Just just take it at that just like like you're asked a simple question that you have that that didn't get sprung on you like you you've had months to prepare for 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 this And it's still you don't have a good way to communicate this to people. And but this is but when you have such a strong base that kind of follows you, it's just how do you how do you fight something like that? Even like I don't know. I'm I'm just curious about your takeaway from from that because I like I read on a previous post that you've made that you kind of it. from what I took from it, it seems like you support whoever is in power. Like you support Clinton, you supported Bush, you supported Obama. You, and now at this current time, you support Trump. But it's just when do we, it's just those ideologies kind of, I feel conflict with each other. It's kind of like, do you still support a bad leader to the very end? Or do you, do you, you get to a certain point where you could kind of snap out of it and realize this is not what's best for our country right now. We need to really fix this and address it. Like, what what would you say to that?
3: Well, I would say my uh, my philosophy behind supporting the the man of the hour, you know, wh- whoever might be the the head of my own government, which is president in, in our case. Uh, I, I get that from scripture, where where Paul talked about. It's God who puts in authority all those that rule over us, so that we can live a quiet and godly life. So my thought is, I don't even worry about the political world. Uh, I don't. Were you guys surprised that Trump won?
2: I was. I was. I, was, I still remember I was, that day. I, to, I, I, I was I mean, not.
0: I was not either.
2: I was not. I was not. Not even. Not even a little. Really? No. Wow. How are y'all not stunned that Trump won in
0: 2016? I never underestimate the American well, people. I learned cause,
1: that. Yeah, well, because I because I, I I know people, and I know uh and I and I deal with a lot of people, and I deal with both sides, and and what he was doing, like you said, Ob, I think was uh and um or, or Matt actually said this. Uh, he, he's a charming dude you know, at the end of the day, whether or not you want to believe what he's, who he's charming and what kind of animal he's charming. He's, he's a charming guy. You know what I mean? That That's the facts, the facts of the na- nature. And I think that at the end of the day, the, the, the issue with that, and, you know, going to that interview, you know, I agree there's two, that there, you, you have to be able to have dissonance, right? You have to be able to, ex- you have to be able to accept two conflicting thoughts in your mind at the same time. You have to be able to support the office and the Presidency without supporting the person sitting in that chair. You have to be able to find somebody who has been elected that you didn't vote for, but yet support and hope that whatever it is, you have to be able to think about these things and then start to con- convince yourself. And I think the problem is right now, that interview to me was good in a couple of different ways uh interesting enlightening in a couple of different ways and one of them was you know it was the first time I seen a reporter really interview the way that I would interview somebody which was not mm-hmm. really you know asking hard questions and not really giving in and just moving on to the next question more like pushing back a little bit right mm-hmm. but you also have to realize the 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 I can see how people might think that he did okay on the interview especially those that support him because this is like, you know, have you you, you seen, watch like courtroom dramas where somebody, when the lawyer will say something and then the other lawyer will be like, objection, and then like, jury, ignore, you know, ignore what they was just said. He already said it, you know, and so he was able to get his message out. It doesn't matter if it's real. It doesn't matter what's false. He said it and thus it's, thus it's true. This is forever immortalized into, into fact, you know, and so. I think that what it comes down to with someone like this is that we want to make sure that we do not dehumanize the people, again, that for whatever reason, support and believe in this person. I don't think everyone is able to have this conversation. I think that identities that you draw from being a conservative or being a liberal or being this or being that, a Republican, a Democrat, I think those things are so profoundly powerful that it's painful to, to literally, I mean, they've, they've done studies that it literally is the same as physical damage to your brain to try to change your mind about something that you, that you identify with. Um, you know, there's discussions about whether or not Santa Claus was Caucasian, was white and people lost their mind. And this is an imaginary character. You know what I mean? <laughs>
2: because people identify from it. Cause like right now it's getting to the, it's it's getting to the point. Like I, I look at the the relationship between Trump supporters and Trump as like we all know that friend that is in a bad toxic relationship, and like he and you and you like half of the country is the, uh, their best friend trying to con- tell them like you should really get out of this relationship that that mm-hmm. that's this toxic. But you, but we all know that you, when they're in that moment, there's no, there's no kind of getting through to them. Like you have to wait for them to kind of reach that conclusion on their own, and it's just we're, but we're up, we're like in a pandemic. We're up such a like this intense timeline. We don't have time to wait for the other his supporters to get to that conclusion and realize that this guy has some serious red flags that you should be aware of. Like so when. When things like this interview happens, or 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 pick any other issue like like the kids at the border, the the reaction to the protests and, and trying to like snatch up and vent, like his reaction to all these red flags and how they they just choose to kind of ignore it mm-hmm. or forgive it, either or is just like how how does half of the country kind of deal with? With that kind well, of relationship, because, but that's
1: but that's exactly right, though. I mean, you, let's use that analogy. And but if you go out and you have a situation where somebody's in in the relationship that that you don't go and attack the person that they're in the relationship that they are currently enamored with, and you definitely don't go and attack them for making them feel stupid for ever believing in it. The conversation is you got to lead with understanding. You got to lead with trying to understand where they're coming from. Give them the room and the space. And talk to a, talk to them about it. And that's not, I mean, not everyone's suited for doing that. And I'm not, and like I said, I'm going to be the first to admit there's some people that I'm just like, you know what? You don't want to change your mind. It's, you know, deal with it, deal with it. Yeah, I, But yeah, I agree. But, with but you got it. The said. problem is when you lean in on the, on the attack, you, the only option is to either fight back or for them to get defensive and neither one of those leads to peace. Right. And so it's like when you have to come into a space and say, look, I know how I feel already. Can I, can we come to an agreement? I'll give you an example for myself, you know, and I've used this example a couple of times on different conversations. A matter of fact, in podcasts, that always comes up for some reason. I was that kid that invited like Jehovah's Witnesses into the house, you know, when they came and mm-hmm. knocked on my door because I was like, yo, I know what I believe already, but this dude here at the door is telling me they know the truth, Like, come on in. You tell me the truth. I've been going to say every Sunday. This guy told me they knew the truth. So you tell me the truth. You know, and sit there and have a conversation with them and realize at the end of the day, oh, you know what? You didn't convince me. Have a great day. I'm sorry. You know, I apologize. I'm going to stick with what I got. But each time in my head, I was hoping that they would come in and enlighten the fuck out of me. You know what I'm saying? Like, come out here and say, yo, okay, that's amazing. I didn't realize that. That's dope. I really like that. But, but at least you have an
0: understanding. That's, that's well, At least point. I understand them first.
1: Yes. And the thing about it is at this point, most people, and yeah. again, like I said, it's not everybody. You look at a bell curve, there's some people on this side that will never, ever, ever, they're, they're dug in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and those aren't the people that you need to fight with. They're the most vocal. Yeah. But like I said, the reason why I have these debates and online and why I jump on podcasts like this and why I have arguments and not arguments, debates with people online about stuff is because I know that hundreds of people will potentially read this. And if they're in a position of they're not, if they're uncertain, then maybe they can see that. I'm not leading with hate and I'm not leading with anger. And I'm going to come in here and I'm going to have a conversation with you. And if you really believe that this is the best thing for you, I want you to explain that to me. And if I have information that maybe you don't have, maybe I can give that to you. Or if you have information that I don't have, well, share that with me. I have so much more respect for somebody when they tell me that they believe in this and why. The why is the important when you tell me that I report I support this person or I blah blah blah, I feel the same way about people that agree with me, and they're like, "This person is right," and I go, "Why? Why? Why is that person right to you? You haven't even learned anything about that before." That's the same way. Like I said, from a bunch, you know, like I said, as amongst my friends, if someone came up to me and says, "Yo, I met somebody, I really like this person," and I'm like, "All right, well, well, you just met them, so what do you like about this person?" Why, 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 do you, why, why is this person any more different than anybody else? And you have to have that conversation and that data. You know, I think that the problem we have is that we're trying to convince people. I don't need it's to right, convince it's a you. It's right or wrong. It's always exactly. A, a right or wrong I don't, yeah, I'm not trying to convince you to come to my this side. Is, I'm just trying to see what? if you know why you're on your side. That's the only thing. I, I, I used the example before. Sometimes the fact of the matter is sometimes you draw the line. What you're talking about, Ob, is that you draw the line and you say, you know what? If this person crosses this line, I'm done. I'm over. I'm over it. Sometimes mm-hmm. that line is drawn for you. You know what I mean? And then you're on one side or the other yeah. already. And then you have to decide if you like to be on this side or if I'm like, yo, I need to go on that side because they got cookies and I'm trying to go on that side of the line. That's what I'm looking for. But the fact of the matter is, is when you come in a situation where you don't realize that that decision is sometimes mm-hmm. already drawn. You got to point out to them and remind them, do you realize that, no, just because you stood in place doesn't mean that that line hasn't moved to your other side. It started out behind you. Now it's in front of you. You think you didn't move. I haven't, like the people who have been Republican their entire life or conservative or liberal their entire life. And then they're like, this is where I'm at. And then they wake up one morning and they go, whoa, 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 whoa. Why, Why is my people doing this? Why is my team doing this? And you're like, oh, while you were asleep, that line crossed you. And now you're no longer in that same team anymore. Do you still want to be on that team? And ask them that instead of sitting there saying, blah, blah, blah. Now I hate yeah, you because yeah. you the line crossed you. You're on the other side now, so fuck you. That's the dumbest reaction you could possibly yeah. have. You have to sit there and go, hey, do you realize where you are? Do you realize why do you believe this? Okay, boom, 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 boom. You add up A, B, C, D, and F. And then you come together and go, you know what? Agree to disagree, but I'm a fight for my side. So – either see you on the battlefield or whatever yeah. it is but until you have that moment where you try to understand i think i think you're at a loss i think you're gonna you're gonna ultimately you know mess your shit up
2: that was a nice friend. like are you at the are you at the point where you you you're at trying to understand each peop each person you kind of have a conversation with
3: I, th- I think uh, you have to take people on an individual basis. Um, right, exactly. That's where I starts. You ask me, you, you get, yeah, you kind of made the, the assumption that I'm conservative. And uh, I suppose I check a lot of the boxes. Uh, the, the thing is, I, I go by values. Mm-hmm. I have values that are important yep. to me. And there are times when my values intersect with conservatism more often than not. And there's times when my, my values intersect with more liberal uh, thinking, uh, more toward the compassionate side. Uh, so I, I can't even. It's difficult to label someone. You know, hey, you're a conservative. You're you're a progressive. Yeah. You're and you need to stay in your box. You yeah. know, one of the, the weirdest things I've heard uh, Joe Biden say is, "If you're you don't vote for me, you're not black." Yeah. That's a weird that, thing. That's a weird That's, weird that's thing a very
2: strange thing. That's, it, yeah. that's that's that's
3: the example of someone putting someone in a box and you better stay in that box and uh and do what you're supposed to do in that box. Yo And me, man, I left the Republican Party years ago because they I wasn't comfortable with who they were. I I have conservative ideologies, and I felt like particularly under Bush, he began to abandon the the very conservative values that, that I held to. And I'm like, well, what's going on with this, mm-hmm. you know? So it, it began to make me think, maybe instead of just, you know, being in lockstep with with this particular side, uh, I need to figure out what my own values are and then make my decisions based upon that rather than what my ideology is, is dictated to me that it's supposed to be. Makes sense?
2: Yes, it makes perfect sense. Like, I like, because... I'm a I'm a mixture too. People, some people wouldn't believe that I I actually like a lot of conservative views, but I just feel like the current leadership that we have right now doesn't actually uphold those view those those same values. there there's no proven action that they're, they they are actually doing these things. And I and it's, it's just that's why I use the girlfriend analogy or the the toxic relationship analogy. It's kind of. The, I even this person is claiming that they, they love you, but they don't. They're not proving. They're not. They're not actually proving any of these things that they said that they'll they'll do or or they'll tr- how they'll treat you. And it's just um, it's a crazy. It's a it's a crazy dynamic that well, we're I in think, right at now. This, it's I a really at this point crazy.
0: People with all the shit that's happening, you know, you lose your job, you got to figure out how to pay rent, uh, feed your family, all those things. I, I, I think that all people were looking for was somebody to inspire them. Somebody yeah. that can uh, call it a messiah, call it a leader, call it whatever you want to call it. But somebody that just go, hey, you know, we're, uh, I feel you, I understand it's tough. And, you know, we're going to get through this, but we have to work together. We, this, this is a plan that here's how we can do this. I want, I need y'all to, 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 to trust me. and y'all to judge the expert, something comforting, but we're not getting any of that. We're getting more confused than anything else. And we're getting in, 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 in these, in these fights all the time. And we're, it's, it's, it's not, it's not moving, moving forward as, as fast as we want it to.
1: It's, I think that the the reason why we do these type of things is because it's just it's easier to lump people into to paint people with a big ass paint roller.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like if I asked you that we would look at you got to paint this house, and then you're like you have an option. You can either use this paint roller or you can use this tiny ass brush. Uh, you know most of us would choose this paint roller because it covers a lot of ground. And when you're when you're when you're politicking when you're campaigning. It's easier to cover ground like that instead of individually looking at each person. Uh, that's mm-hmm. by and large, these people, these politicians, our leaders, are not out here trying to win the hearts and minds of individual people. They're not sitting there. They don't leave a day of work. Come by and go. I spoke with a guy named Back. I spoke with Obi, and I spoke with Matt. All three of these people now are my voters. We love them. They go out and and, and go and speak out in front of a, a room full of a thousand people, and hopefully four hundred of them you know, they change and 600 people walk out of there and say whatever, but in that main they, they shotgun blasted this huge chunk of people to believe in them. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, again, this is the same thing as what we're dealing with right now. We are forgetting the humanity of what we're all dealing with and we're all dealing with in the same way. When you look at something like COVID and I said this the other day, I was like, if we stop treating the situation like a math problem and more of like an individual people, we might look at it differently. I was saying that instead of making a list, making uh, an announcement that 410 people died or 136 people died, well, we'll list every name out there. And so that we have to scroll through that and then maybe come to grips with the fact that four pages of the newspaper today was all list of names of people who who died and that they have a family attached to them and tell me that it was a little bit easier for you to look at that rather than just a random ass number. When we talk about the situation and I want to leave room, I want to be conscientious. We're running out of time. I want to be conscientious with Matt to talk about his friend that he lost, but I'm the exact same way, man. I've lost a lot more people in my young life than I would like to have lost. And one of those things is if you looked at it as a statistic, they're, mm-hmm. they're, it's meaningless, they're reduced to nothing, they're reduced to a number. And in fact, those people were everything to me. They were my people, They were my, those are my people. And at the end, we are able to do that because that's how we talk to each other in these broad strokes. And in, the, in reality, what we need to do is have the opportunity to look at each other as people and realize that no matter what, conservative or liberal, progressive or whatever, that our ultimate goal, again, is to take care of our own, to make our lives better to make mm-hmm. the people we care about lives better and everyone else has a different method to it and the only thing that we need to talk about is that the reason the way that you're doing it is hurting the way that i'm doing it then that's not necessarily fair and that's when people need to step in and communities have to be developed and so on and so forth but at the end of the day we are more common than we are different we are more alike than we are different but when we dehumanize and then force people to get into this box and say hey you have to live in here or else you're not one of us is difficult you know but you know like i said i think that is difficult that's some very critical thinking that's some high level thinking for you to sit there and be able to look at and look at a situation clean and clear every time to try to remove your bias every time and to not come into a situation already knowing what you're thinking to say you know who But I, what,
0: what i've what i've been trying to figure out is why why is that Why is it that we, we whether we enjoy it or not, but we we put people in boxes? Look, I'm a I'm a French African nerd who loves music and is social as hell. I don't fit any any of the boxes, you know. But there, what is it about uh, humans? What is it about a a culture that we? It's connection. we, We have to do that.
1: It's connection, bro. I mean, it's that we are a social, connected social uh, species. You know, we talk about the reason why so many of us are struggling and mental health is at an all-time craziness right now is because we've lost this connection, and people are literally going crazy because of it. People are literally hurting because we are unable to socialize. That are they're they're willing to risk life and limb so that they can get back to the social activity. We are a social group because we have, it's been re, reiterated within us that being social and having your tribe, your people, is better for the advancements of you. Of you, If I go up, like I said, one of the reasons why I wear shirts like this, so you all joke about like how I have like about 50 of these now that just have these words on them. And the reason why I wear them is because from a room, across the room, when I wear one that says, you know, me and you, your mama and your cousin too, right? Those random ass words that nobody else knows. But if you're a hip hop head, you know exactly where they're from. And you're going to come up and yell, "What? what's up? Did you see outcast at ACL? That shit was wild. And then all of a sudden we have made a connection. And so when you have a situation with leaders and politics and all this other stuff, you find a way to connect. That's all we want, man. That's all we want. You think about, I grew up in inner city, man. We had gangs, all that stuff. Do you think all these gang people were were hardened criminals at eight years old. No, man, they were, we're sitting in a dangerous situation in a situation where who knows what's going on. We didn't have a lot, we're all poor. But then guess what? This older group right over here, we decided to wanna to hang out with them and they decided that this is the community that they would join. And then you join this community and they're mm-hmm. like your brothers. And then to do it, think about, you know, Matt, he's a veteran. Not when you interview a bunch of people and correct me if I'm wrong, Matt. I don't want to speak out of line, but when they talk about people about what they're what they're fighting for, most of them say it's the person next to them. You know, it's for, it's 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 that's who you're looking for. And when you're sitting there and you're talking about police and you're like, why didn't you do that? Well, because in their job, they have to talk. They have to defend the person next to them, and that's all they're thinking about. And if that person next to them doing some fucked up shit, they're at a dissonance. They're at a they're at a conflict and people don't always handle conflict correctly. But I think that ultimately when we find a place that you dig in and you feel comfortable and you got a meat-shaped fucking hole sitting there and you fit right in, it's really intoxicating and it's really hard to break out of that or to leave because that shit is comfortable as hell. And it's really hard to leave that um, position when everybody around you is patting you on the back and saying you belong, you belong, you belong. You know what I mean? So
0: wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, did, did you guys have a little bit more time or
1: I have plenty of time. I want to hear Matt's story. I don't yeah. want I want to leave room for Matt's I mean yeah, it's, yeah, an that's, that's it's an important like. thing. I don't want I want, yes, I want to sir, I would like to listen to well. I'm I'm in. I'm in, in for penny, in for a pound. I'm in. That's
0: fine. We can keep going. You're, you okay with that, Matt? Or I, I can't hear yeah, you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just here to serve, man. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I um, so want to hear your, your, your story and, and, uh, and your friend's story, actually. Tell us a little bit more. Well, okay.
3: Um, i alluded to it earlier. This is, uh, this goes way back to 2004 with the, the group we were in Iraq with and, uh, you know, it, it was a pretty bad, pretty bad day, and uh, before it was all said and done, uh, our our platoon, uh, there was 18 of us, that had been set upon by by thousands, and um, we lost half our vehicles. Um, my gunner, Sergeant Chin, uh, was killed, and as we're waiting for rescue inside this alleyway, we we're defending out of. Um, the rest of our our brothers emptied out the base um, and and come to get us, except they were in the back of uh, unarmored vehicles. Most of them, they just got in as quickly as they could and went to the sound of gunfire. And for people that were in their unit, but perhaps they didn't even, didn't even know had never met before. Um, And that, that was, that was Lauren Holler. He was, he was in a group of people that came out to, uh, to get us. I had never met him before. We were in, in different companies when that, within that same larger unit. So we didn't train together, but it didn't matter. All that he knew was that his brother that he had never met was in trouble. And, uh, so without hesitation, he gets in the back of the, of this, uh, uh, truck and they come storming toward us. What they didn't know is that, um, there, there was a counter ambush waiting. They had, they had set this in place carefully planned and time and they got shot up like fish in a barrel coming to get us. Um, they got pushed back. They tried again, got pushed back. Uh, it was eventually a tank company uh, from a, the unit we were relieving that pushed up through the gut and, and loaded us out and took us to safety, but not before, uh, uh, seven brave men died that day and over 72 I think maybe closer to 80 were wounded so badly that they had to go back to the United States um, so it was uh, it was a horrible day but it was one that changed all of us and, and Lauren included um, he he continued to serve and uh, thrust that tour By the time it was all over uh, was just my company alone I counted 214 different times, but we left the wire to do things like that. So it, it left its mark. Um, I dealt with PTSD for, for years and years after that, but because I stayed in the military, doing different jobs, advancing in rank and that kind of thing. Um, as long as I stayed busy, I was okay. It's so when I, when I had leisure time, everything began to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lauren had that same kind of experience it, and it was a little bit worse for him because he got out and didn't, didn't stay in. Um, so he, he had the full force of that PTSD without any kind of distraction. And, uh, it cost him his first marriage and he had two sons with, with this lady and, uh, eventually ended up getting married uh, again, was having difficulty, uh, with his PTSD in relationships. I fully, understand that. I lost a marriage as well. Um, so in 2014, we all reconnected at Fort Hood. It was a 10-year anniversary. And it was the first time that many of us had seen each other in a decade, and it was a, it was a beautiful moment because um, we I felt safe for the first time. You know, get around these guys. We're going into the memorial. We're, we're laying our roses down, uh, in front of the names and I'm shoulder to shoulder with guys like Lauren and, and Eric Berkwin and, um, Ben Harris, Carl Wild, just the guys that I love and hadn't seen in so long. And for that fleeting moment, I felt this sense of being normal again, you know, and that was kind of the, the spark that, uh, was we all felt it. It was great. And we all got this wild idea. Hey, why don't we, we just get together and make this organization where, our Lancer brothers can come out and experience this kind of oneness and, uh, and, and uh, wholeness that so we, we've missed for so long. And that was the beginning of Lancer Legacy Ranch. I got out of the, the Army a year later, and we started it on um, uh, some property, about 10 acres I bought in Cookville, Texas, just with an RV. And uh, actually, Lauren was the very first guy that we, we uh, assisted financially he was wanting to, to learn how to weld, and uh, he needed some money for equipment. So he had some money, so we, we bought his equipment. Um, when they began to shoot the the miniseries, I, I got to reconnect with him again. We, we got him a plane ticket to come down from Alaska to Texas, and uh, so he could be a part of, uh, of that. And I, I got to say, I, I enjoyed him quite a bit. He's a very intelligent young man. And uh, funny, had a great sense of humor. Um, He leaned much further to the right than I do, and uh, so it was always refreshing to see his point of view on things. And man, he uh, he didn't just come at you know from the hip. He he really thought things through, which which was nice to see. Um, and. I gotta tell you, we started this in 2015. We went from being on an RV a couple of years later to having this uh, 25,000 square foot building to uh, to house more people and help more veterans. And, and um, you know, doing it because of of the legacy of of the guys that died saving our lives to allow us to do this. You know, it's it's because of them. And then it became something more broad. It's not just these guys that I knew, it's like every veteran that has, has paid the price, you know, it's their legacy too. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you make it even broader than that. It's the legacy of, of, uh, of my mother who struggled, uh, be, from, you know, being a secretary and a single mother to go to college to get a, uh, a paralegal degree, then a law degree and then become a lawyer, you know, It's it's that that kind of sacrifice is more broad than just the 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 fighting man and woman, but it's it's mothers, it's fathers, it's uh, it's family that 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 does for you, you know. Um, But uh, six six days before Lauren took his life, I began doing something called the the twenty two a day challenge. It's basically you you do twenty two push ups for twenty two days to draw attention to the the 22 veterans a day plus who kill themselves, you know, and you just kind of tag someone else and you pass it along. I was six days into it when Lauren took his life, and I hadn't heard from him in in a couple of months. And um, I I suddenly felt silly doing the push-ups, you know, silly. As if me pushing T to China, uh, no offense here, CK, uh, was (laughs) – was uh, as if I was doing anything, you know, Uh, I've I've struggled with this, the the loss, the the senselessness of it, that um, this this is the very kind of thing that that we started this organization to prevent. And uh, it's, I wouldn't, I I won't say that I feel like a failure, but I kind of do. I know that it's false guilt doesn't belong to me, you know, but at the same time, you just wonder what you could have done. You know, this is my brother. How did I not know? Why did he disconnect himself like this? Well, um, you get down to it. You can't make people's choices for him, but you can take, uh, hopefully you can take something that is broken and make it into something beautiful. And so with, uh, with what's happening with, with, uh um, with Lauren right now his it's family's in need. Uh, he left behind his his two sons, and a wife. And uh, even though we weren't able to help Lauren, we can still we can still help his family. So, what I would like to do um, anyone that would like to to donate to to help that family, you can go to our, our website. It's www. or we can go to our Facebook page. Uh, and make a donation in their honor. You, you need to, this is very important. Make sure that when you make the donation in the memo line, you write for Lauren holler so we know where to put it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to start pushing this heavy tomorrow. It's just letting people know, you know how we can, we can help these folks, but it's, um, when you get down to it, it's not about helping the, the thousands the hundreds of thousands of men and women veterans who suffer from PTSD or the 22 a day who take their lives, most of will never know these people. I know Lauren. I can help Lauren's family. So it's not about everybody. It's about saving who you can, you know, making a difference where you're at. So I, I just want to encourage you that um, if you can't, if you don't feel like giving to this cause, make a difference where you're at. CK talked about, uh, and, and Obi a little bit too, about the, the, the depression that surrounds this, this COVID. People are killing themselves at a record rate, not just veteran, but civilian, because of the hopelessness people feel about what's going on. And so I just, if I can implore upon you to care, care about the, the, the man and the woman to your right and left, veteran or not, they're human. They're, in in my opinion they're created in God's image so why wouldn't I want to help someone like that you know so um you you can make a difference in one family's life you know those of you listening again www.lanncerleranch.org you see it on the on the screen there or go to the facebook page of the same name and uh, make a make a contribution for for Lauren's family and uh, yeah help us
2: Thank Help you. us share this on
0: by joining the legacy. Thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you. Back it up.
2: Thank you, Doug. Uh, thank you very much, Matt. That was and, powerful. Yeah, I'll definitely thank make you. a contribution to his family. Mm-hmm. And yeah. There's a lot to there's a lot to take in. And just I, I just want to say this to you, just as like a friend. I don't want you to harbor any like guilt like you could have done something more i'm i'm i'll i'll say this as somebody that kind of deals with depression kind of regularly throughout my life it it doesn't really um it's not really it doesn't really have to do with their net like the network of people that are around them they they know people that are around them love them especially like i i know people around me love me it's just sometimes in your people have bad days and sometimes you could have so bad of a day that it it could be, you can't take it back. And I feel, I mean, everyone lost. Like, I mean, I, I know I could, I could hear the hurt and the mourn that you're feeling. And I just want you to know that I'm here for you and thank you, I'll, I'll keep praying for his family and just thank you for, um, sharing is uh and and I don't think these these decisions kind of is like their lasting legacy like he did a lot with his life he 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 saved a lot of people is just um and I I like to kind of preserve his name and and make sure everybody else knows that he did a good job so yeah thank you Abby.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was that was a beautiful eulogy. And I think it, it it is important to share stories like that. And again, it it's uh to go echo what CK was saying earlier that this is how we this is how we connect. Um and being able to to share experiences uh and being able to uh to relate and be able to to understand um and so, this, 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 this is that was yeah. Here, here's something like that really, really put help you put things, put things in perspective. And I, I, I don't know. You can't, you can't really put yourself in someone's shoes. you can try as as hard as you as hard as you can. And and I know that it's. It, it it's a it's a it's an exercise it's a, it's something it it's something big that people gotta gotta be able to do and it, it starts with these stories and it starts with uh, with some understanding and and yeah. it starts with conversation more importantly so th- thank you for that that was
1: uh, thank you. you you know i think Obi, you said it great i think we all need to take a moment to remind your people, that you're here and that you're there for them. Um, you know, it's one of the things that's been weighing heavily on my heart because as I'm looking across my friends and, you know, my, my friends v- range from, you know, people who, who have a lot of privilege and, 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 and is, you know, live a very, you know, carefree life to, to people who are struggling. And um, it's easy to kind of forget that, you know, people, you need to check in on people because mental health is, it affects us all differently, you know, and I think that the reminder that you need to check on people, uh, you know, is is so, so very important. I think we get caught up in the humdrum of what's happening and all this madness and drama and all this, you know, all this struggle, but, you know, the way, the only way we make it through this whole thing is together. And I think that that's one of the things that we don't, do as much as often i mean to to almost get a counterpoint to what we said in the beginning of checking on ourselves at the same point the balance of that the yin and yang of that all is that you also have to take care check in on your people because like you know if you're in a group of 10 people and then you check on yourself it's one person checking on one person but if you check on your 10 friends or your nine friends guess what you got nine people checking on you And and I think that that's uh, really important. I'm going to say this quick little story that I remember, and I've I've talked about this before. I might have actually told you back one time, but there's this parable, this kind of Chinese uh, little story about this guy was able to visit heaven and hell, right? And he said that when he went to, When he went down to hell, what he what he saw was this big table and it's a round table and had all this delicious food on it. And the people sitting at the table had these six foot long chopsticks. Right. So where they could only grab the food, but they could never put it in their own mouth. They can't they couldn't eat. And that was torturous. So he's like, man, you know, that's what 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 torture that is. And then they go and they take him to heaven. And then they see the exact same situation is <laughs> the big round table with all this food. But everybody at the table was just feeding each other with the chopsticks. That's good. Uh, taking it and feeding it to the person next to you and everything like that. And it was this situation where we have to check on each other and we have to make sure that we don't assume and that this is the also a nice segue into what you said before about our technology and why we, I feel like it's not necessarily a downfall. This, this has allowed us in a, sort, can you imagine if we had to have been locked down in the early 90s back, you know what I mean, with no internet, with no text message, with no cell phones and getting the news once, twice a day figuring out instead of being able to have this moment where I literally feel like I'm sitting across from you and I'm having a conversation with with not only two friends that I haven't talked to in a while, but a new friend, Matt, that I haven't even ever met before. And we have a conversation right now. I mean, mm-hmm. I FaceTime with my sister and my new nephew on the reg because I want to see them. And, and But we don't take that time Because sometimes we're a little bit too busy. And it's one of those things that it's important that we make that time. If you never take that time, you won't make that time and you will never have it, you know. And so you have to make a physical effort to say, I need to check in on this person. I need to remind them that I'm here for them, that I'm their friend not for any other thing, not to check on them to see if they're okay, if they need anything or anything like that. They're just you checking on them to remind them that you're there so that people understand that you guys are still connected. And I think that we need that more than ever. And, um, you know, and it's something that that has been weighing heavily on my heart to make sure that we continue doing. You know?
0: Wow. I think we can, we can wrap it up. This this was this is one of the best episodes we've, we've done, right, Obi?
2: Yeah, yeah. I this mean, feel like it was important. Yeah, I think it it it, it
0: uh, needed to be done. I, I want to thank both of you guys for for coming in and sharing your insights and your your stories and um. You're right. Uh, at, at at the end of the day, that you know this is what we need, and this gives me, it gives me hope. And I think it should give everybody hope that look, you know, you're, you're a phone call away or you're a FaceTime away or wh- however, I th- I, if, if something comes out of this, uh, this crazy time is like how, how we're still able to connect despite the fact that, yeah, we can't see each other in person. Um, and, we need more. We need. We definitely need more of that. And I'm hopeful now. I'm hopeful. So thank you, thank you both for um, for participating in this in this podcast. You want to share your uh, your dope dope shit?
2: Me, <laughs> hey, uh, I. Yeah, I, I have something I want to remind people about. So I uh, volunteer with um, the Sickle Cell Anemia Foundation here in Austin. And on September 5th, they're doing a virtual walk. <clears throat> so the uh, virtual walk is basically we send, um, because of COVID and everything, but we still want to – usually we would kind of do like a 5K or some other walk together. But this time, since we're doing a virtual walk, it's just basically – going to your neighborhood or your park and you basically get on your own social media and just and you're you kind of record yourself walking and just kind of hashtag sickle cell, just kind of bring more awareness. Like, cause with other foundations, like, you know, everyone knows the cancer foundation. It's good to kind of help. Like, and I personally have sickle cell, like it's just a good thing for me to kind of help be a part of. And I think I have a, uh, flyer of it i could kind of share it with y'all too let me see if i can pull it up really quickly but uh that's my uh if anybody wants to participate just remember that date it is uh september 5th and here is the flyer for it but yeah we're doing a virtual walk-in and uh that was my dope thing Hopefully people remember, and then you could kind of, If you uh, register on their website, we'll uh, send you a, a free sickle cell anemia shirt. So yeah. And that's my uh, dope thing for this week.
0: Cool. Matt, what's your, uh, I mean, org. We'll have all those links and everything in the show notes. Would um, yeah. you have anything else you wanted to share with everybody, Matt? I just have one last thing as uh, an answer
3: to what your, the question your brother had asked uh, what we do about our lack of trust in the systems.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, my, my dope answer would be uh, don't tr- put your trust in the systems, put your trust in Jesus. That's what I did. You want to learn about how you can have
0: hope. Hit me up. I'll tell you. Right there. Uh, CK, what do you got?
1: Yeah. So I want, I want to direct y'all to a YouTube channel that I've been watching. Uh, it's a, it's a channel called Jubilee that has a bunch of weird clickbaity stuff, not clickbaity stuff, but it has some funny things on there. But one of the things that they're a series called middle ground that I really like, and it's exactly what this is, which is, um, a middle ground of where they take people with massively opposing views and they have a really cool platform as to how they manage the conversation, basically putting them in the room and, um, allowing them to, uh, yeah. So that's, that's what it is, but look for, look for, you know, look for middle ground. I don't know where the, um, you know, different ones, um, where they, yeah. Like, so this, this is a different where they talk about anything. It's like, flat earthers versus globe earthers, uh, you know, black lives matter versus police and whatever. And they put people with opposing views that they put them and and they kind of force them to have this conversation. And it's really fascinating the humanity that comes out that forces people when they get into a situation where um, you're, you're having to talk to somebody in their face and the amount of respect that inherently happens because we just, We realize that this person across from us looks like us or it seems seems like us, but has different views on the amount of room that you give them to kind of be who they are. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really encourage that. I think that we need to get rid of all these echo chambers, man. I think that I implore everyone in this time right now, you know, and there's just those two rules that I kind of live by in my life. One is I've never once, you know, this is a quote, you know, I believe is. Plato, maybe, but he says, uh, you know, I never once learned anything from anybody that agreed with me. And the other one that I live by is if I'm the smartest person in the room, I'm in the wrong room. (laughs) Uh, You know what? Um,
0: Mine is just uh, go to bed less stupid every night. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. But 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 that's but that's, the, that's the, the the mentality, man. I mean, the, the mentality is to have these conversations and don't be scared about it. Anything you, everything you do, the more you do it, the better at it you get. That's just a fact. You know, we're amazing. We're an amazing species. We get better at it, and you're able to get better at it. Line yourself, you get better at it, or learning, you get better at it. So having uncomfortable conversations, you get better at it. I said before, I love these, and no matter how uncomfortable, I'm never uncomfortable anymore. And when I find a topic that I get uncomfortable about it, I I love it. It becomes a positive trigger for me to say, oh, shit, okay. I didn't realize I felt this way. This is great. I want to air this out. It made me nervous. You know, Mm -hmm. it made me realize I didn't, I'm not educated in this topic. I need to do it. I mean, I mean, I'll tell you a perfect example, Matt. I didn't know how this conversation was going to go, but I spent a lot of time reading up on what, veterans are going through and i read up on your website and i read up on a lot of these things because i wanted to make sure i didn't come into this conversation underprepared and you know to look foolish just in case it went a direction that i wasn't educated on and i, I feel like i'm better for it because of that and i think that i think we want want more people to do that to, to come in there and do that and i think i think if we all do that i think we'll be in a better place
3: well i watched a stupid video
1: wasted 37 minutes of my time so
2: <laughs> i don't get that back
3: oh yeah and just think of it as entertainment it's all right yeah
2: <laughs> sometimes it doesn't go that way like yeah hey man yep. you learn sometimes sometimes people are just a
1: good bad example exactly
0: <laughs> and, we, 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 and we need that every once in a while i mean yeah we need that 100%. so um on a lighter note my outfit i want to give a special shout out to uh the dj mail uh nice local uh DJ, internationally known Obama's DJ as they call it. Uh he's been putting on this uh, living room dance party every Saturday from six to ten o'clock uh central uh from his Twitch uh account so twitch.com slash the DJ and it's really turned into a community of folks from all over the world who just listen to him, you know, play playing tunes from hip hop to R and B to eighties to funk, you name it, and then at the same time, there's a Zoom room happening. So think of it like a virtual dance floor where people just turned it their, um, you know, their cameras on and start having a party, you know, at, in their living room with their kids. People have all kinds of lights and all kinds of uh, special effects, or they're jamming in on their patio, uh, and people who didn't know each other before this now. They, they stick around after Mel's uh, set and just talk to each other about different things. And it, it, it's a fast, it, it's a fascinating uh, experiment. And, and I think that it's, it's grown a lot and he's been doing it for months since this quarantine thing really uh, started. So every Saturday, uh, six to 10 PM central uh, twitch.com slash the DJ Mel, uh, join the party, join the, virtual dance floor and meet some folks it's you know we're here to connect this is this is what we do so as always thank you so much for tuning in thank you everybody uh in the chat in the comments wherever you are uh make sure you follow the feedback on social media facebook twitter instagram the podcast is available wherever you listen to podcasts even spotify Um, and again i want to thank uh Special guest, Matt Fist, Thank you so much. We'll so have all those links uh, in, in the show notes. CK, always a pleasure, man. Definitely.
1: It's been too long.
0: Um, yeah, it's been too long. Well, before we go, where can people like find you? Um, like on social media or
1: um, CK, I'm, everything you want to plug? I'm CK Chin spelled out S-E-E-K-A-Y-C-H-I-N is everything. Twitter, Instagram, probably MySpace. Hit me up on that MySpace, Sun. I'm just kidding. No, it's not. I don't know. A- AOL, 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 Yahoo Messenger. Yeah, exactly. A- A- and I A- I <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Yep, 100. percent So that's that's where uh, you know that's where you can follow me. And you know, like I said, I think you know, reach out. And if this is something that you know, we should we should be having these conversations whether or not be recorded. So holler at me too, anytime, anybody.
0: Matt, anything uh, you want to plug? How can people find you? On on things. your computer,
3: you can go to this thing called Facebook. I'm under Matt Fisk. Maybe for a little bit longer, I'm kind of getting tired of Facebook. Yeah. Uh, but you can also <laughs> write, <laughs> you also can yeah. write a letter and send it to 4538 County Road 1202 in Maude, Texas. Uh, stamps are I don't even know how much they cost anymore. I don't think anyone else does either. But uh, they they still. Are you use okay with your address right going
0: out like that?
1: And all days we had these things coordinated. Yeah, Yeah. Let's, let's yeah. Was was doing while we Twitter still have a post office where we still have a postal service man send them send them yeah, letters now. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> oh, well, wait well after the
3: election? I just want
1: to make sure you're
0: busy. Yeah. I just want to make sure you're you you're okay with with giving your address out like that. <laughs> yeah, cuz cuz I want to make sure,
3: man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, good.
2: <laughs> Whoever's going
3: to get it? That, that's it All that's right. at the ranch. You can send the mail there and and uh I can screen right. you to make sure you're not a terrorist too. So.
2: <laughs> good
0: good. Well, thank you again everybody. We do this every Thursday uh 8:30 to yeah. well, almost 10:30 now. Yeah. Uh it will be always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you, we'll guys. you follow everybody, uh subscribe, leave, leave us a review. All that good stuff. Thank you so much, guys. That was that was so good. That was Thank so good. Thank you for the opportunity. This is great. Thank you, gentlemen. We'll talk to you next time. Ciao, ciao.
2: Ciao, everybody. Have a good night.